The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose Show. Our show is titled in reverse order of importance and sagacity. Uh, Gary's a little insecure, so I allowed him to lead with Bauer. We are on weekly Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125, wherever you get your podcasts, and we're hosted online by our good friends at justthenews.com. Make sure and give us a five-star rating. Make sure and recommend us to friends, allies, uh, neutrals, and even perhaps enemies. And make sure and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Bauer and Rose. So, uh, Tom, before you go any further, if we're going to expand the viewership of this, we have got to welcome our enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Their numbers are legion. Their numbers are rising. Their numbers are rising. Yeah. Well, this is our pre-Thanksgiving show, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the miracle of a, of a formal moment of founding of the American Republic, the American ethic, and our American traditions. Most countries on earth don't have that. There are only two on the planet that have identifiable moments of creation. And that's the United States and, of course, the state of Israel through the Bible. So we'll get into that. But I have got a bee in my bonnet. I have to get off my chest. And that is this contratemp that's erupted over the last two, three days related to Elon Musk. Two things are happening. Number one, uh, your favorite group, Media Matters, a left-wing hack front group, George George Soros-funded and supported group designed to destroy the legitimacy of any alternative media in this country through all kinds of nefarious means. Uh, Elon Musk today, this being Monday, announced, quote-unquote, I think the term was a uh, uh, nuclear Armageddon legal case against Media Matters. Media Matters has been very effectively, I've got to add, um, targeting Twitter, or I should guess we should call it X, targeting Twitter advertisers, mainline, mainstream, IBM, Microsoft, Apple, General Motors, General, all the big, you know, mainstream advertisers that Elon Musk is hosting racist and anti-Semitic content and placing these Fortune 500 ads against this content. Well, what Musk has uncovered is this entire thing is a Media Matters plot, They're the ones creating the bots that generate the anti-Semitic racist content to fit against the advertisements of these mainstream, mainline Fortune 500 advertisers. So it is a despicable, duplicitous effort to destroy Twitter by falsely, maliciously, and, and mendaciously attempting to 
destroy Twitter's business reputation. They're the ones that are generating the content that's placed by these, you know, Fortune 500 advertising companies. They're the ones that are generating it. So that's the suit. The other thing, and I promise I'll let you run with this. In the last 48 hours, the New York Times, even Fox News, Elon Musk's uh, very disturbing anti-Semitic tweets on on uh, Twitter over the weekend in response to a post from someone whose name I don't know. I've never heard of him. The tweet was, and I'm paraphrasing, and the first part of the tweet was reprehensible. I didn't like it at all. I don't give an S about left-wing Jews who are now complaining that the very people they've spent two generations Uh, encouraging the country to allow through open borders have suddenly discovered that they don't like them very much. And Elon responded by saying, and again, I don't have it in front of me, this guy's on to something, he's right. Okay, I'm sorry, Gary, that is not anti-Semitism. The truth is, the fact is, and I'm the one saying this, I'm the one wearing the kippah here, I'm the religious guy, what Tom is trying to do here, folks, is make it clear that the anti-Semite on the show today is named Tom Rose, <laughs> not Gary Bauer. No, you're trying. Yeah, I think you can be more direct than somebody like myself can be under these circumstances. It's he's right. He is right. Left wing. Uh, mainstream Jewish organizations, the establishment Jewish organizations epitomized by the once, I think you'll agree, very fine organization, the Anti-Defamation League, um, uh, that worked. Abe Foxman, run Abe Foxman ran it for yeah. 50 years. Its purpose was to fight anti-Semitism and anti-Jewish bigotry in the United States. Very effective. But since Jonathan Greenblatt took over 10 years ago, it has be- the ADL has become an Obak an Obak, a Barack Obama front group for left wing woke causes. It's in bed with BLM. It supports BLM. Uh, it's been anti-Trump in the most ferocious ways. It's open borders. This is the organization that epitomizes. Unfortunately, the left wing Jewish establishment. So when Elon Musk says that this original tweet was correct, he's right. Because we've been pushing the open borders. We've been pushing the Black Lives Matter movement. And now suddenly, when we discover to our horror that these are not people who are particularly fond of us, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible, heartbreaking disappointment to those on the Jewish left. But I will say this for Jonathan Greenblatt. I will say this for the ADL. In the past five weeks, he's been pretty doggone good. But don't buy this. Elon Musk is an anti-Semite like I am Shaquille O'Neal. Okay, like I'm the center of the Los Angeles Lakers. It's it's a it's a terrible uh, calumnous attack against him. He could have phrased it better. But anyone who disagrees with 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 left wing uh, totemic talking points is an anti-Semite when in fact they're the ones that support Hamas. Yeah. Uh, well, I should just say, well, well put Tom Rose. Now let's discuss the latest NBC news poll that shows Joe Biden's approval ratings down to the lowest level ever recorded by NBC news and 
for Joe Biden. No, I, I think you're making a lot of great points. Um, I mean, first of all, on Elon Musk, he you could actually take this all the way back uh, to when he uh, took over Twitter and proceeded to uh, direct his people to dive into the files and uncover to what extent did Twitter partner uh, with the Democrats and the deep state in order to censor and spike multiple stories in an attempt uh, to influence the outcome of the 2020 election, an attempt that succeeded. And they hate him for this. They didn't like him much before that, but they despise him for that. They're never going to forgive him for it. Um, And they've attempted even to to smear people he hired who had great reputations as sort of liberal journalists. And he hired them to go into these files and so forth. They tried to smear them. And it's it's another comment on this desire by the, the American political left not to win a debate, but to make it impossible for a debate to take place. They want to silence and shut down every conservative thought, idea, movement possible, because at the end of the day, they actually have no confidence that people will buy the neo-Marxist, radical, secular BS that is the only thing they can serve up. Stuff that has always failed wherever it's been tried and stuff that is totally incompatible with the American nation as it was founded and has prospered over all these years. So that's the reason they're doing this to him. Um, I I agree with you that uh, Greenblatt has had a a terrible record up until the last five weeks. The politicization uh, that he is engaged in is so obvious. I mean, there was that ad during um, the Super Bowl, wasn't it? Huh? Wasn't it during the Super Bowl? Well, I was thinking about the ad that the Trump campaign – they, they had a, a picture of a sheriff who had a sheriff's star. Oh, my on. God. That was 20. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, well, that was the star of David. <laughs> and, you know, with that and it, it was connected with money that you could see in the ad and then a drawing of somebody that looked like Hillary Clinton. So they were using the charge one an anti-Semitic, um, you know, uh, uh, theme uh, to subtly uh, send a signal to a whistle to the, you know, the anti-Semites of the world. Yeah. Send a signal to the, the problem with the anti-Semitism in America is not that it has to be signaled because it's so, you know, it's so horrible that, that if, unless you just signal it, people will be uproar, you know, will be in an uproar about it. The problem with anti-Semitism is how open it is in, in, a gazillion precincts in quotes of the American political left in, in the precincts of the universities in the precincts of entertainment in the precincts of politics. Anti-Semitism doesn't even try to hide itself. It's, it's, it's the anti-Semitism of the powerful, the anti-Semitism that knows many forces will have its back to explain away the plain meaning of its words. And now in the horrible events that we've seen 
on videotape in Israel. We've seen that ugly left-wing Semitism, anti-Semitism, break out all over the country, uh, cause Jewish students to go into hiding on their university campuses, has given us the spectacle of posters merely meant to remind people of the victims of October 7th, posters of little children, posters of women before they were raped, posters of the elderly that were accosted in their nursing homes in every major city in America. We have seen freaking, I cannot use the words even on a podcast I want to use, People tearing down those posters and showing as little shame when they're caught doing that as Hamas did putting out the videos of the terrible things that they did to Israeli Jews. Tonight on Israeli TV, the eight o'clock news, that's the it's like the Super Bowl of Israel where only it happens every single night. The only event that unites the entire American people is the Super Bowl. The eight o'clock news in Israel is that tonight they did something, and I'll be honest, I, 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 I couldn't watch it. I mean, I watched the first couple minutes, but it was the story of the 40 kids, 40 kids under the age of nine that are now held hostage. And we don't know their conditions, but the pictures of these beautiful little children and babies, and it's, 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 it's too much. It's just too much. And Did I think- you send me the uh, video of the... Jerusalem or Tel Aviv opera singer singing Bring Him Home. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I assume him. many people sent that. That is With now. The images yeah. of those children. Yeah, and, and you can't, uh, you can be honest. This is a podcast. Could you get through it? No, could could I, you I, get through it to time. the end? I got, I, I, it felt like somebody was strangling me. Uh, I, I, I couldn't, uh, I, I shared it with, with our, uh, adult children and their spouses. And, um, there was a long gap before anybody responded and the responses were like, I, I, I couldn't finish it or I, I, I have no words or, you know, it's a, it's a level of human depravity. And yet there are quote unquote, well-educated people right now today claiming none of, none of that happened. That was done by some uh, Jewish uh, movie company. The AI, you know how they right. make, they're so creative, these people, these Jews. So they're able to make up uh, babies in ovens and w- women, you know, their, their slacks covered with blood because they've been raped uh, by their captors. Uh, I, I, Tom, I, Look, you know, the recent march, in, um, and this gets to the point that you've started out today. During the recent march in town, um, I sent a recording crew down, just audio recru- rec- uh, crew, uh, to ask some pretty simple questions. And it wasn't attempting to get any gotcha moments. I was hoping that I would have material I could, you know, intersperse into our podcast and so forth. And I was heartbroken because one of the questions I asked was, in, in view of these demonstrations we're seeing, and we know that many of them, many of the participants are people here on student visas, people here that have come in under various refugee programs mm-hmm. from countries 
that are on the top 10 list at the, at the State Department of countries permeated with anti-Semitism. Would you be for or against testing for the, that type of hatred before we allowed somebody to come into the United States and apply for citizenship. And I thought I would get a bunch of, of people at the march saying, absolutely, enough is enough. This is Instead, Tom, I, it was about 50-50. Half of the people we interviewed said, uh, yeah, I, I don't like it, but yes, I think. When, and other people, well, that would not be America. That would not be America if we did that. People have a right to believe what they want. Really? Well, so how how many of such people are you willing to bring in? And are you connecting the dots? I mean, as wonderful as that crowd was last week, uh, nearly 300,000, there's probably been 800,000 people collectively marching on the other oh, side. I, I know, I know, I know. And it's terrifying and it's devastating. And um, I'm not sure what the response is. I'm working on a piece right now for uh, our friends at JNS.org. Um, I think that maybe, and I'm the, I'm the optimist here, maybe in the last week or so, we have begun to see something we've never seen before in the history of an Israeli war. Um, maybe we're starting to see some green shoots of a new and welcome departure from the historical pattern to all of Israel's wars, the international community's campaign, the longer a war goes on, the greater the pressure for a ceasefire. As Douglas Murray famously points out, Israel is the only country in the world not permitted by the world community to win a war. Traditionally, the pressure uh, on Israel grows as the war lengthens. The longer the war, the greater the pressure. And that pattern seemed to work. There was 15 to 20 minutes of sympathy for Israel after the 10-7 attacks. Among those who might be so inclined, of course, the haters began marching and demanding and shouting, gas the Jews from the river to the sea before Israel even responded. And once, on the 27th, once that started, once the Israeli ground invasion began, the pressure went up. The pressure mounted like usual. But in the last 10 days, something strange has happened. Everything went according to script for the first few weeks. And then within the past, I don't know, week, 10 days, something strange. The cacophonous global demands for a ceasefire seem to have peaked. And now they may be even on the downslide. Uh, Josep Burrell, who's this communist uh, former Spanish foreign minister who, ha- who now runs the EU's, he's the foreign minister of the EU. He was the harshest critic around a week ago. He says on Sunday, Hamas must be destroyed. Hamas can't uh, be allowed to survive. The UAE, the foreign minister of the UAE, who actually I know, says that Israel must win this victory. The UAE, the Saudis, who were pleasantly silent the first three, four weeks. Uh, MBS now came out and said Hamas is not the answer to Gaza. The U.S., remember Biden and Blinken, ceasefire, ceasefire, that has stopped. So here's my question. What's driving this? What could be driving these unexpected changes um, in 
and this could vanish tomorrow. Of course, it could all blow up and uh, go back to go back to type. But my, here's my question: What do you think is driving this unexpected change? For the first time in history, it seems that Israel is garnering more diplomatic support, more uh, political support as the conflict prolongs. Maybe because of time and reflection, these traditional critics of Israel are realizing that anything short of a complete Israeli victory poses a clear and present danger to their own interests. If Hamas survives, the Egyptian government's in trouble, the Saudi government's in trouble, the UAE government's in trouble, the Bahrainian foreign minister... I know this is inside the weeds and you're rolling your eyes and I'll shut up right after this. The Iranian, no, I'm not rolling my eyes. The um, Bahrainian foreign minister said the most amazing thing of all. Israel must win this war. I, I, is he still I, alive, that guy? <laughs> or was that, was that, is that on his tombstone, the last thing he said before his head no, I, I, without I, his body? I guess I'm desperately looking for – I just think this is unique. Because for the first time in Israel's history, there really is no restraint. It's not 1973 where you have two superpowers, the risk of a global conflagration. If Iran gets involved, let's be honest, Gary, Russia's not going to lift a finger. China's not going to lift a finger. Of course, Biden doesn't. Biden's too stupid to know that. Biden's too uh, uh, cast in this past role of, you know, peacemaker to understand that Iran, no one's going to go to war for Iran, not the Russians, not the Chinese. Um, but the Israelis... Well, under the, Biden, we might go to exactly. war. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know? it's our posture vis-a-vis Iran, letting them hit us repeatedly over and over and over. That doesn't prevent... That doesn't diminish the risk of war. It increases the risk of war. Ronald Reagan in 19, you were there, 87, 88 during the cargo war when they were targeting all the oil sunk tankers. Sunk their Navy. Sunk their Navy in a morning. Gone. Their oil platforms, gone. Their, their uh, 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 oil, uh, the, tr- the facilities that, their oil infrastructure at the ports, blown up. Navy sunk in yep. a morning. That was it. Yeah, I can I can go public with this now, Tom, since you brought it up. So that morning we were having lunch with the president and, uh, you know, it was toward the end of the administration. And uh, there were like a dozen of us that got to do that every Monday. And there was like a, a moment of n- not much conversation. It got a little bit awkward. And, you know, you uh, like on a date when there's silence, you feel like you have to fill the void. I, so I, leaned I, over and I, said, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, no, I will. You wouldn't. Of course <laughs> not. So I, I leaned across the table and I said, Mr. President, have you thought about sinking the Iranian Navy? Are you serious? And he went, that's a great idea, Gary. And he left the room and the rest is history. Are you serious? No, no. But it's what I think about sometimes at night when I'm going to bed to make, make it clear that I had a momentous role in history. Uh, it will be true eventually. Like Joe Biden, if I tell it enough, it will eventually right. in my own mind become true. Oh, God. But I was very happy that one of the worst days in the, in the Reagan administration was a Sunday morning to wake up and hear the Marines had been slaughtered uh, in their barracks. Um and Guess by who? Think. Guess by who? who? Yes, uh, an Iranian. Uh, Hezbollah. Uh, yep. Uh, so, uh, by, and by the way, um, to talk about an early warning system, uh, one of the Marine guards that survived said he was firing into the truck and the truck sped by him. And as it sped by, he got a, a brief look 
at the driver's face. The driver was driving straight ahead and looked over at the Marine Guard, the Marine Guard, and he was laughing his full head off as he was driving to his death. Do you and know the Marine Guard said, I will never forget the look on there was something wrong with that guy. Well, what was wrong with that guy is Islamo fascism, that element of worldwide Islam that is committed verbatim to their reading of the Quran, which says that the only way they can guarantee they're going to be in heaven is to die while killing the infidel. You know who uh, survived the Marine barrack barracks bombing in uh, 1983? Uh, Mike's brother, Congressman Greg Pence. He, he was in that barracks? Absolutely. He was a Marine. I had no idea. The, the one that's a congressman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Congressman Greg Pence, 6th District you know, of Indiana. About every of course, he never show. talks about it. Typical Pence never talks about it. I, what a wonderful <laughs> thing to talk about. Like I've seen in my own family, you know, what this philosophy left unchecked will do, you know. And, of course, it was so telling, right? The, these jihad warriors do not look forward to taking on uh, awake Marines, not woke in the modern exactly. sense of the word, but Marines that are actually breathing and are able to fight. They love killing people when they're sleeping, when they're on their Sabbath, when they're in their places of worship, when their back is turned. Uh, the, the, the things that, you know, rightfully would cause us shame and embarrassment, they, they yearn to win battles that of way. Course. It's, uh, yeah. It's, of course. Uh, no, no, no. We, it's just... Um something that i mean it's their and to their credit it's their indiana midwestern you don't talk about yourself you don't uh the yiddish word is schwitz you don't uh boast you don't brag you don't engage in stolen valor uh and by the way gregory pence would not be engaging in stolen valor if he told that story because he was a survivor of the marine barracks just because yes. thank god he wasn't killed but yeah 241 Marines. It was their first uh, introduction to the international stage, the international scene. I don't think we handled that situation perfectly well, but uh, here we are 40 years later, and the threat is as great as ever. Um, I just... Well, related to this, Tom, and it gets us into domestic politics, um, I can't recall if we talked about this last week or not, but there's this phenomenon now, you know, where uh, some uh, influencer that uh, has 12 million followers or whatever uh, and is pro-Palestinian, may even be Palestinian, mm-hmm. uh, put a, uh, a letter from bin Laden to America that was sent after 9-11. And in the letter... Uh, he explains why he felt it necessary to kill 3,000 of us. And, of course, guess what the reason was? Our support for Israel, who was occupying a Palestinian land. Um, and so what we were treated to when this uh, influencer put this up uh, was, first of all, she went on, and I've watched it, and she she goes, uh, yeah, very dramatic, I, I have just read a letter from it it has changed my world it everything i believed is now upside down 
my my whole life has been dependent on lies about America and about Israel and about why we always seem to be at war. And now, so I'm begging you, I'm begging you, drop whatever you're doing, drop whatever. You have got to read this letter. And then when you read it, please come on and leave me a message about, because I, I need people to talk to me right now. I, I don't, my whole life, I don't even know what I'm going to do next after the knowledge I received. And it went viral. Millions of people read it. So you've got these 20 to 30 something freaked out leftists who want abortion on demand, uh, the right for you to marry the tree in your backyard if you want, people that believe there are 148 genders, but that was yesterday, today there could be 153, uh, people that think the biggest threat to America is that we have a Speaker of the House that takes his Christianity seriously uh, and thinks that our, you know, we're we're just one misstep away from sinking into a Christian theocracy where everybody will have to go to my church. At which point, I will leave my church if these people are forced to go to it. Uh, embracing a man that wants every Muslim man to have ten wives, wants all women to cover every. Uh, centimeter of their bodies endorses the idea of female genital mutilization, mutilation, mutilation, so that it's impossible for the woman to feel any pleasure during her, you know, this gift from God that, that, that human beings have been given in the context of, of marriage and so forth. They would, they would be, raped multiple times before they were killed and they would be killed forthwith if they are were living in a society run by this guy and now tom over the weekend it got worse some of these same people are going on tiktok and saying uh i've read it several more times and i've made a few phone calls and uh after a lot of consideration i am converting to islam I kid you not. And this is Thanksgiving week. Yeah. How many, and this is rhetorical because the answer is obviously zero. The very uh, first great work of American literature remains today one of the great works of American literature on Plymouth Plantation by William Bradford. And when I was a kid in school, public school product here from, from Indiana, we had a Thanksgiving play every year, and we had to memorize the two paragraphs from On Plymouth Plantation, by them a place did God provide in wilderness and did them guide unto the American shore, where they made their way for many more. They broke themselves the ice alone, and so became a stepping stone for all others who, in like case, were glad to find a resting place. I will give you an A, Tom, for uh, your the accuracy of, of what you just recited. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to go further than B- minus for delivery. I think there could have been a little bit more emotion. I usually cry when I read those words, but it, it was... 
it was a workmanship now that was very well done. Uh, the, the, well, you know what? It's a you know memor, memorization is one of the be- is one of the no nos. The, the, the memorization is condemned by today's educators. You don't learn anything by memorizing something. Well, you know, you could possibly believe them if they actually believed in critical thinking, but they reject that too. But everybody, I, and I'm sure you, um, you've probably forgotten because you don't even remember, you know, you have to use Waze uh, GPS to find your way home every night. But I'm sure you had to learn that in school. We all did because there was a sense that we share, we are the inheritors of a magnificent tradition of, of giving, of gift, of bounty, of sacrifice, of charity, of goodness. The Mayflower Compact signed uh, before the 102 members of the Mayflower, only men got to vote, but even the indentured servants got to vote, and the black indentured servants got to vote, just not the women. That was the very foundation of our founding documents. The only instance in human history that I'm aware of uh, where there was a, a positive uh, original social compact written before the establishment of a community. I mean, these guys, William Bradford um, and uh, uh, William Brewster, uh, they, they were establishing a godlike city on a hill. They knew when they left Scrooby in 1609, or left England in 1609 for Scrooby, and then spent 11 years in uh, the Netherlands and found out a very similar thing was happening to their children that are happening uh, to Jewish kids in America today. They lived in this fantastic country, and they were becoming Dutch. And these people... They loved the Dutch. They were, that was a refuge for them. They didn't want them to be Dutch. They wanted them to be Christian Puritans in their tradition. They really thought they were fulfilling this ideal, serving as models for a, a more holy, a more perfect society and civilization. They planned this voyage to what they thought was an earthly heaven. They were going to begin that. They were going to start that. 50 of the 102 died that very first winter. There was a 50% fatality rate. They stayed and they achieved something that would have been beyond anyone's wildest imagination. They created the, the cultural underpinnings of the greatest, freest, most noble republic in the history of man. They... Uh, 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 they were called by the Brit, by the English Puritans because they founded a Puritan party and they, they, uh, they did not like the uh, uh, Church of England's uh, replication of a bunch of the practices of Rome. They, they were called Puritans by the other Christians. They hated that term. They hated that. They were Christians. They wanted to be called Christians. That's all. Period. The end. And their whole... Uh, uh, Reference to Matthew 5 about you, you are the lights of the world, a city set upon a hill. Are you impressed I'm quoting from the New Testament here? I, I am. Just keep reading. Keep reading. <laughs> no, the conclusion that, will blow you away. I, no, it's just we are the inheritors of the most magnificent, and our, nobody knows it. 
Nobody so got, knows it. It's such a tragedy. It's it, it, that is exactly the word, Tom. It, if uh, even today in watered down America, if your kid came home every day and said, uh, "This guy keeps stealing my lunch," man, the typical parent would would uh, either go to the kid's house and talk to his parents, or would go to the school and say stop this bully from doing this or there's going to be hell to pay. If somebody, you know, if, if you saved up money and bought your kid a rundown car and he drove to high school and some joker, every time he pulled next to your son's car, or your daughter's car in the parking lot would open the door and nick the car. And you were coming and the kid was coming on. You were, look at that. What are you not taking care of this? You know, who is this kid? But the stealing from our children and grandchildren of the greatness of the nation they have been blessed to live in, the heritage, something that would allow them to be proud to be an American, something that might make them more resistant than they are to being a citizen of the world, which is one of the reasons I think we don't teach them these things. We don't want them to be proud of America, to be an American. We want them to be groomed, to be citizens of the new global society that is going to be built and that all the tech gurus in Silicon Valley are committed to. And, of course, as you and I have talked about, Tom, privately and publicly, uh, the two biggest resistors to that globalism are the two pillars of Western civilization, Israel and the United States. Israelis get up in the morning proud to be Israelis. And in spite of everything being done to America, there are still millions of people that when Donald Trump said, make America great again, their hearts immediately gravitated to him because they knew it had been great. They knew it can be great again. They want it to be great. And that is why the establishment and so many other powerful entities were furious. He was saying that. Um, so there's a yes. So, you know, youth suicide through the roof, youth, uh, uh, beastly behavior, the violence in our schools, drug addiction. Uh, it, it's all sky high. There's lots of reasons, but among the most the most important ones are our children are being taught there is no God. So if there's nothing after this, why wouldn't you take whatever pleasure you can get away with if you fear no judgment later, let alone judgment now? And the second thing, after having taken God away from them, we've stripped them of any possible love of America by telling them they not were blessed to be born here. They were cursed to be born here and must devote their life to making up for the sins of the nation they were born in. You know, it's um, Thanksgiving was originally proclaimed, I guess, an official American holiday uh, in the 19th century. But George Washington asked Thanksgiving, the the, uh, genesis of Thanksgiving is really George Washington's request for a national day of prayer and thanksgiving that inaugurated this public holiday and 
uh, his message at the time, and I have it here, um, it's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his mercy, to implore his protection and favor forever, that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all that is good, that was, that is, or that will ever be, and that we may unite in rendering unto him our sincere and and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people. That was the original. That was the original Thanksgiving proclamation. They didn't call it Thanksgiving back then. They called it a day of prayer, whatever it was. But um, well, can I, you imagine I mean, a president? Uh, well, I'm not even going to. No, I can't. I can't. I, but uh, I, you know, it was the what you just said was the original American statement of Thanksgiving. But as you know, uh, one of your uh, tribe, uh, a fellow that uh, punched another Jewish fellow that punched above his weight. Weight and ended up. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say punch somebody in the face. No, punched above his weight and and managed to get uh, a whole uh, a book in the Bible of uh, praise and thanksgiving. And since you've been uh, astonishing our audience, let me read one short, very short chapter in that book. It's the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm one hundred, and it's perfect for Thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. America, as much as Israel, both ancient and modern, is built on that, America was built on that uh, call to thankfulness of the God that met Abram in the, de- in the desert and said, I will be your God and you will be my people. It's, I mean, this is a, and, I've been, I was in Israel, obviously, for six weeks, and I saw a, just a terrific interview with um, Michael Oren, who was a former uh, Israeli ambassador to the U.S. before our friend Ron Dermer was. And he had an interesting... And Michael was a little bit left of center, yeah, I would Yeah, say. by Israeli standards, not right. cer- certainly not by your standards or my no, standards. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy's talking about gassing the tunnels or flooding the tunnels, so um, I don't think Code Pink would be a... Big Michael Oren fan, but yeah, absolutely. Um, left of center says that the value, the social value, the integrative value of Thanksgiving can't be measured. It just can't. The importance can't. And the example he used was that in Israel, um, Thanksgiving comes once a week. It's Friday night. Whether you're a religious Jew or not religious Jew, a secular Jew, almost every Israeli family has a Sabbath meal, the left-wing cousins, the crazy uncles, the fanatic right-wing kids uh, get together on Friday night for a, a Sabbath meal. And that, um, that's what Thanksgiving must be. It must be a time for us to not leave our arguments at home or not leave our disagreements at home, but to engage with our fellow countrymen, our families are uh, the whole notion of 
And this is where I think there's a huge difference between Israel and the States. Here, when left and right hate each other, I think that's pretty accurate. Left and right don't like each other. And in Israel, they don't like each other either. But the notion that they won't talk to each other, that they'll boycott a Thanksgiving dinner, that they, you know, they won't go to Cousin uh, Frank's because he's a Trump supporter, uh, it's just so destructive and so disharmonious. And I don't know how we recover from this. I just don't. I don't remember, know. Remember when Obama said uh, infamously several times during his presidency when Thanksgiving was approaching when you get together for Thanksgiving, get in Uncle Charlie's face. This MAGA, not MAGA guy, this right winger there, you know, that with his right wing ideas, confront them, confront them at the Thanksgiving. And you're like, really? That's what you think we should do together as families? You, you know, my, my daughter, uh, Sarah, has uh, a year or so ago uh, wrote a little book um, that, uh, she self-published, but it ended up selling about 20,000 copies. Holy smoke. I mean, usually a self-published book, you know, gets up to 250. It's from your friends and family members, right? But it's called The Space Between Us. And it's a book about how, given the pronounced differences in America on important things, we can, as family and friends, make an effort to keep our friendships and our families together without giving up what we believe in. And there were some things in the book I did not agree with because I'm not her and she's not me. But God bless her. She asked me to, if I would be willing, no pressure, she said, to write the little preface for it. The little, uh, and I said, well, I, honey, I'm, I'm so pleased you would ask me. Of course I will. But I said, I, I am going to say that, I love you and I love the theme of this book, but I don't agree with every single word of it. Cause she had sent her mother and I a copy and, and she asked us for some, some suggestions and we made them. And I think virtually all of them, she, uh, okay. What was uh, Carol's reaction when you started criticizing Elisa's book? Uh, <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Carol listens to this uh, podcast. So. No, no, no. I'm, Hey, I'm on team Carol. Yes. I just, I want to be clear. I'm on Team Carol. But it was such a wonderful can thing. Can I, no, hold on. It was fabulous. But can I tell a story? Yeah, you, well, can I stop you? <laughs> <laughs> this is. Oh, I know this story. Yeah, this is. Th- you're taking something I said facetiously. You were kidding. I know it was a joke. Was it was a joke. But it was so funny. I still use it. I still tell it. This is four years ago, three years ago. Gary's uh, youngest son, Zach, uh, had just announced his engagement to the beautiful Megan Patnoid and Patnoid, uh, now Megan Bauer. And I was greatly honored to attend a dinner when the in-laws uh, were celebrating a Sunday evening dinner, just the, the uh, six of them and then Tom Rose. And we're in, you know, Gary's, the inner sanctum, we're uh, drinking red wine, and um, I might have had a little scotch, and we're having a lovely conversation. Carol, yeah, a lot. Carol is in the kitchen. There are pots going everywhere, and steam coming this way, and fire coming that way, and she's, you know, wiping her uh, forehead from the sweat of a, of a towel, and... um. I went in and said, Carol, what, what can I do? And she says, go sit down and be with them. 
I don't need any help. Go sit down. So I felt terrible. I went in, and then I looked at Gary and I kind of, you know, said to him quietly, Gary, um, don't you think you should maybe say something to Carol or offer some help or, you know, just do something. And so Gary starts chuckling. He turns around in his chair and he says, just let us know when it's ready, hon. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Carol knows my humor. Otherwise, I would be uh, spending my time with you going on the single dating sites. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I would have thought she would have come after you with a skillet or something. Well, she wasn't going to do that in front of new in-laws. Okay, but that happened afterwards. Okay, but it was was just... I was hospitalized for several days later that evening. And Zach and Megan and I are still actually shockingly quite close and a lot of times we will end our text uh, conversations with just let us know when it's ready hun that's our line (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness did carol put you up to this no no i just i had to say it i just it was the one of the funniest see people think gap bauer is like um this stick in the mud he's actually dangerously funny i mean as you look i gave a very serious speech a couple weeks ago uh, at the James Dobson Family Institute. And uh, there were a number, quite a few people in the audience that had never heard me speak before, had not met me personally. And I was struck, Tom, th- th- about the number of them that came up to me later and said, I, this was a real pleasure. I, I've got to be honest with you, though. Oh, well, okay. Uh-oh, here What's we that? go. Hit me. You're, you're a lot funnier than <laughs> I thought you would be. You know, so, I mean, I look, in high school, the, to, for self-preservation, I made I made all the thugs laugh. That was how I got out of jail free. You know. <laughs> no, it's funny because I actually I will amend this story slightly. I said to Gary, I said, Gary, don't you think you should say something? And you put down your wine glass. You turned to me. Go, you know, you're absolutely right. Just let us know when it's ready, hon. <laughs> Oh, well, well, Tom, so uh, you're you're back in the States. I am. I am. And uh, do do you want to talk at all about a family development? Uh, No, Um, I will be uh, castrated if I discuss any of that, if you if you get my drift. uh, I hope you have some time with uh, with those you love. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're. uh, going to be, if I, I haven't even booked yet, I'm in Florida now, but going to be in Indianapolis, which is my hometown. What about you guys? What are you, what will you be doing? Uh, we, we've got everybody at our house. Uh, the beach uh, or in, the, uh, McLean or in, uh, wherever the hell you live. Well, we're not going to give that out over the podcast multiverse when Osama bin Laden lovers <laughs> may come and harvest me for turkey dinner. Or just, uh, Ask for an extra uh, in, in our house in in the Maryland suburbs, uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're we're uh, we're getting everybody together, and uh, it'll be uh, you know we'll hopefully we we always have a great time, and uh, um, and in honor of you and your Jewish brethren, uh, we're we're gonna have uh, Chinese food tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's over Christmas. That's right? Christmas. That's Christmas. Yeah, that's I'm Christmas. Sorry. That's yeah. funny. That's very very funny. Well. Have a blessed and meaningful Thanksgiving. It is the, it's the American day. It's the day where uh, if we can't unite and become one on Thanksgiving day, then we really are 
hopeless. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tom. And I join you in saying that. And I, I've said this on uh, on our show before, but I think it's worth saving, saying it again, particularly to my fellow Christians. Um, do you think it was a surprise to God that you were born in America? Of course, it wasn't a surprise to God. God knows everything about us. God determined where we would be born. And he determined that for those of us that were born here, that we would be born here and not in, you know, uh, North Korea or not in uh, Stalingrad. Right. Or start naming the place. You know, we at the very beginning, before we even knew that we were a separate human being, that we were, you know, I don't know what the age is where a baby figures out that this thing he's looking at is actually his hand, you know. Um, before we had any say about anything, God in his infinite wisdom and for reasons and a mystery that we will only find out about the answer to later, chose to give us birth in the greatest nation that I, I believe has ever existed on the face of the earth that's brought more freedom, more liberty to more people than any nation in the history of the world. And because of that blessing and because of this incredible gift, would you let a gift somebody gave you, like a new car, would you let somebody ruin it, scratch it, run a knife along the side of it? Of course not. That was a gift. I'm going to take care of that gift. And so speaking particularly to my brothers and sisters in Christ, don't tell me you're not interested in government or politics. You were given a gift to be born here. So defend it, save it, do whatever you have to do to provide it, to pass it on to the next generation that will be blessed enough to be born in America. Amen. And a happy and meaningful and blessed Thanksgiving to you to Bauer Nation, and to uh, all of our listeners. May you have a meaningful, uh, peaceful, and uh, loving Thanksgiving with, with those people that you love. Have a great week and a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. This is the Judeo-Christian Conspiracy, the Bauer and Rose Show. Have a great God week. Bless. God bless. God bless. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.